great. Yeah, so I, that was 1982. When I, I was not saved yet, and I attended uh, the house group at Nini's house, and I still remember her coming back from her office and saying all about the blessings of God, and God gave me this, she got a, some promotion, some raise, and, and one after the other, she was doing it. It was an amazing house group, and uh, Nawaz was there with her brother, Homus as well. I wasn't saved, I was just being exposed uh, to the gospel. So I was very intrigued by who Jesus was and the people of God at that time. And so I went for this house group and uh, God was doing something inside of me. At that time, of course, they didn't know it. So I enjoyed the house group. I kept going there a couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, and they even had a Christmas program, I think, uh, with some pots and pans and bottles, some kitchen band, they called it, you know, and they're singing songs. Someone hit the bottle, someone hit some pot, and, and they did that, and it was all fun. And I was seeking God, but I was very comfortable till, till the leader one day took me outside into Nini's balcony and says, Nigel, now you've been here for some time. What do you think about Jesus, you know? <laughs> so do you want to give your life to him? So outside I said, yes, and inside I'm not, I said, I'm not coming back here again. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran away for six months. <laughs> I ran away for six months. God was doing something. I bought a Bible and in those six months, I was staying with my grandmother at that time because my mom and dad were in, in Abu Dhabi. And, uh, <clears throat> and I remember in those six months, uh, you know, taking that Bible and beginning to read it. I came from a Catholic background and, and being a Catholic, I always thought it was the duty of a Catholic to at least read that Bible. But each time I picked it up, it was the most boring book to ever try and just read a paragraph and say, what's it saying? It doesn't make sense. Put it down. But this time when I read this book in the six months, it sort of, the word just started speaking to me. It was like Jesus was leaping out of the pages and talking to me individually. You know, it was so deep. And I would weep in those six months uh, every day. And... Uh, I actually got through, I would sit in the balcony when the clothes were being drying and hiding my face in there and reading and weeping uh, because he was talking to me. And uh, six months later, I knew I knew it's time to go back to that church this time. And, and as I came back on the Sunday meeting, they were meeting in National College at that time. This leader saw me and he said, Nigel, <laughs> praise God. And I'm thinking, what's up? What is happening? <laughs> and then I discovered they were praying for me. Later, I discovered they were praying for me in those six months. And God works, you know, through prayer. And, uh, and from that time, nine, June 6, 1983, I gave my life to Christ. And uh, I've been in Living Word or New Frontiers ever since. I've never gone anywhere else because we had a lot of problems through <laughs> in our New Frontiers churches. But it never stopped me. I said something to God. I said, if ever I don't walk with you, the problem is me, not somebody else. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I said, no matter how hard, whatever I face through, it's my heart that can walk with you. I think God put me, I was 22 years old, I think, at that time. And I realized nobody can stop me walking with Jesus, even if I had. And we've had tough leadership with us for 20 years. Uh, you know? And, uh, but that's just an introduction, you know? That when Jesus comes, we're captivated by him, not people not anyone else, and nothing can stop us. And I'd like to stir us. The song we sang, you know, he's bringing back sons and daughters. And for me, I'm getting stirred by the church. I believe Jesus is going to restore his church in, in amazing ways. And I'm looking at 2024 as a year when the, the church of Jesus is going to be so stirred by who we are, you know, and what we can do, who, he's, who he sees us as. And I want us to... I'm hoping that in these two days, we'll just get a little more glimpse of how Jesus views you. You know, even as Hazel brought that word, guilt and all, ah, just get out of guilt. He loves you, you know. And no matter what you've done, you know, that's what he came for. He came to set us free from that, you know. And uh, even... If you think as a Christian, Lord, nobody knows, you know, I'm still struggling in this area and that area. But that's what he came for. You know, he said, one of his disciples said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my disciples? Seven times? He said, no, 70 times seven. 
because that's how he forgives. That's what he understands about us. He understands our frailties. He understands our, uh, uh, our temptations and even when we fall. And so even when Peter denied him three times, almost with a curse, he didn't come back and say, man, we better take this guy out. You know, he's not going to be an apostle. He doesn't say that. He says, go tell Peter and my brothers. And that's how he sees the church. You know, we let him down. But he sees us and says, go tell Peter and my brothers. That's my church. They're going to do the job. Amen. So, even if you think you've come this, to this camp saying, there's so much of mess in me. Well, Jesus will be saying this to you. Go tell Peter. Go put your name in there. Go tell so and so. And my brothers. We are going to do a great thing. Amen. All right. It's wonderful worshiping. Thank you. I felt such a presence of God this uh, morning. And that's the greatest thing to be captivated is even though Jesus sees this church so amazing, yet we are captivated by him more than anything else, isn't it? And just one moment. I treasure in a week if I can get two, three moments, you know, with Jesus, encountering him. That's enough. That's enough. Not just to survive, but to actually be change the world. That's enough. And that's why Psalm 84 says, better is one moment in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. One moment with our God. And in these two days, come to God. I know many are tired and sitting are busy. But I remember in my early 30s, one of the one of very good teachers said this. Listen, if you're tired, go to bed. But if you're weary, go to God. And you've got to discern which it is. Okay, if you're going to bed, you may get up after two days and still find yourself weary. So let's not waste these two days. Also come to God. All right, because he will encounter, like the prophetic words as Sister Behind said, he wants to encounter with us. Amen. Okay, so let's come to God's word. I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1 to 5. In fact, can I get someone else to do that? Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1 to 5. Okay, someone with a, who can shout out the voice. Malaika, how about you? Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1 to 5. Okay, speak it as though you're imagining how Isaiah is saying it. Try and put the expression in there of what he's trying to communicate with all your emotion. Put it in there. Amen. Thank you so much. Shall we give Malaika a hand as well? Very well. Well done. Thank you. Okay, so I want us to capture the spirit of Isaiah speaking to Israel, who was in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Okay, and in verse 7, it says, God says in there, for a brief moment I abandoned you. And this was the people of God uh, being abandoned, almost feeling like they are abandoned by God. They are called to such, uh, to be a light to the nations, but they are locked up in captivity, you know, as slaves in Babylon. And uh, 70 years, and here's Isaiah saying this crazy thing, sing, O barren woman. You know, sing. And he says, you who never bore a child. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And then he says, enlarge the place of your tent. And they could be thinking, enlarge what? We are in Babylon, we are stuck here. You know, 
stretch your tent curtains wide. Lengthen the cords. Now, if you know a tent, it, it, I think you got it in that. There's a tent picture there. You know, the cords of the tent, it's lengthen your cords. And the stakes that are holding the cords, strengthen them. You know, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. So let's just pray and say, Lord, give us some envisioning, some encouragement this morning uh, that we will see what's in your heart towards us. Okay? Come, we'll pray. Father, we do recognize this is your word. Your words are spirit and they are life. And this is what we ask, Will. We're not asking, Lord, just for a, a good preach or something more interesting to listen to. We are asking to, Lord, encounter us with the word of God. To encounter us in the things you say about us. And so I pray that, Lord, this morning. Lord, you are the Lord who speaks. And in one moment, Lazarus comes to life. And Lord, each time we stand before your word, it's a moment of bringing the dead to life. It's a moment of bringing someone in despair to great hope. And so we present ourselves before you this morning as well. And ask for your help, the help of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, so here's the situation of Israel. They're in captivity, all right? And uh, it's quite a come down from the days of David and Solomon. When in Solomon's days, when the whole world would come in to see Solomon and this amazing kingdom. And now... So the whole world would come inside. Those were the glory days of the people of God, Israel. But now, instead of being in, in, the, in the land God given them, they have been uprooted from the land and put in a foreign land as captives. And so we must understand what would be their mindset. It would have been a people who are now defeated, a people who feel kind of enslaved or dominated, a sense of hopelessness. And where's the promises, you know? Can we ever get back? Because the most powerful nation on earth had taken hold of them. And so into this, the prophet is saying, sing, O barren woman, sing. And it seems so strange because what's there to sing about? You know, and this is what I believe God wants us to have a sense, you know, a sense of what God wants us to understand about who we are and about who he is. Because he goes on to say, for your maker is your husband. And the point is this, God's punishing them in Babylon for 70 years. But he goes on to say, sing, because for your maker is your husband. So though he's punishing them, he loves them. He cannot separate himself from them. You know, he goes on to say, he's not deserted you. You're not a widow anymore because more will be your children than any other organization on the earth. And we've got many organizations today on the earth as well with worldwide missions, you know. But what God says about his church is more will be your children in any age. In any age. All right? More will be your children. So Pune Church as well. I'd like us to understand as part of God's church. Worldwide church. This is a significant church here in Pune. And I'd like us to get a sense of what God's saying. More will be your children. All right? Than anything else. And you will dispossess nations. Fill the earth. Advance. So God says this. Why? He's your husband. And if anything we got to understand firstly. That's the good part. Is God can never separate himself from us no matter what he does no matter what discipline he takes us through you know he can never separate himself from his people and i'd like us to get that sense you know isaiah 54 verse 7 the second part says with deep compassion i will bring you back so though they are in captivity he says hey listen i have to bring you back there's no question of it i have to bring you this is who we are he can never let go of us so why do we need to sing? Firstly, God is for us. Amen. If God is for us, in Romans it says, who can be against us? And if one thing we got to learn here, firstly, is we sing at all times. He's telling them, sing when you're in captivity. Because God's with you. And sometimes we can go through moments when we think, Lord, what's going on in our midst? You know, I'm discouraged. 
all these plans I have, all these goals we've had and something is not happening. But here's what God would say, sing. Because I'm for you, I'm with you. And I'm going to do a thing we've not yet seen. Amen. That's a must. If it was for them then, it certainly is for us today. Can you say amen to that? All right. And secondly, he wants us to see something is written over us. You know, why should we sing? He's got a purpose for us. Something's always written over us as his people. All right. He says, more are the children of the desolate or barren woman. Okay, a barren woman is one who cannot have fruitfulness. More are your children than of her who has a husband. That means one who, who, who can have fruit, uh, children, but more will be your children. Amen. That's the first thing. Why should you sing? More are the children of the desolate woman. Then he goes on to say, you will spread out to the left and to the right, and your descendants will dispossess nations. Now, I don't know how you see yourself, but I'd love for you to see that this is the truth about you. This is what God says about you. And the more we get into our spirits, we'll start singing. You know, we, I was talking earlier, the, all creation sings. They know who they are. Creation knows. They just sing. How about God's people? Amen. Can we sing? Because there is fruitfulness. This is what's written over us. We are a fruitful people. That's our DNA. And God's saying, sing. Why? Your DNA is fruitfulness. Amen. And he says, you will forget the shame of your youth. Now, what is the youth? It was 400 years of Israel in slavery. That was their youth. When they were shaped, when they were formed, it was in 400 years of slavery. He says, you will forget that shame. And then you will forget the shame of your widowhood. What's the widowhood? It's 70 years of captivity in Babylon. You will forget it. Amen. Can you forget it? I don't know what you all have gone through, either personally or as a church. Because I know we've gone through lots personally and lots as a church. But I tell you, this is the truth. They're going to smile. They're going to laugh. You'll forget the shame. There's no, God's not got shame written over us. He's got fruitfulness written over us. Yes? You believe that? Sing. You've got hardship in your life? Start singing because there's fruitfulness coming. All right? You've got children, problem with children? Start singing. It's going to change. It's not there permanently. Can you sing? Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. So, sometimes we may feel we are desolate as a church, but something's coming. It's fruitfulness. Because the church will always recover lost ground and gain even more. All right. This is for God's church at all times. You know, last year I, I was looking... I didn't even think, but we were just, I was just sitting with one of my leaders and saying, come on, let's look at what happened last year. And as we began to sit down and start looking at the people coming, we started, started writing down some names. And before we realized, we had, we had about 42 people we had put down who were actually in the church over the last year. And I didn't even know that. We didn't even know that. All right? We had done four membership courses and 20 people come through that. Three new house groups were started, and I didn't even really figure that out till we sat down and do it and did it. And we had at the beginning of last year, we had our theme was the year of the 300, which was uh, it was on uh, uh, Gideon's 300. And I said, you know, we should be people who are, you know, there were 30,000 of them and 29,700 were sent home. So last year this was our theme, but 300 God used. And I said, let this be a year of the 300. We don't want anyone sent home. We want all of us can be the 300. Yes? But sometimes I remember telling people last time, in case you've not figured, sometimes we're mostly sitting at home. All our excuses about not doing things is home. And you don't realize you've been sent home. You know, but let's be the 300. And so that was our theme last year, 300. And by the end of the year, we've had seven new preachers. Isn't that exciting? So... I was thrilled because I didn't even realize in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, what's happening? Until we sat down and did it. And healings, we've prayed for so many healings. There was one guy who had uh, Wilson's disease. I don't know what, how to describe it, but I think all the muscles start kind of wasting away and they can't walk. His whole hand, legs, head shakes, speech goes. And uh, we were very, uh, not Parkinson's, Wilson's. 
as a teenager, young fellow, young guy. And it was so sad to see. And we didn't know what to do. We just prayed. And we took authority. We cast out everything and nothing happened. And for months, we, we prayed. And then suddenly, he's back in church walking. He's in the serving team. And this disease cannot be, this disease, <clears throat> this disease cannot be cured. But it's just exciting to see. And I said, Lord, this year we want to see some more miracles and healings. Amen. Now, this is the thing. It's not for leaders. It's for all of us. Amen. Every single one of us can do amazing things. And I'm hoping that this is what we'll pick up this morning is God's got a church, not leaders. All right. And uh, my sense for this year, hoping is we'll see many more churches unlocked into the great purposes of God. Let's catch the sense God wants us to have a breakthrough here in terms of understanding fruitfulness. Now, as regions beyond churches worldwide, there is a prophetic word that someone brought from America and said there is, it's a season where God's going to give us low-hanging fruit. You know, if that, and there was a picture of the tree with fruit that is literally hanging down and you're just plucking it off. You don't have to try and climb to catch, get a fruit on the top. Just pick it out. Now, if we can prophetically take that for each one of us, start, your prayer life will change. And you, because you know God wants to give it to you. So let our prayer life start including, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your family, whether it's in the church, let us pray for low-hanging fruit. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right. So, um, you know, this is what God wants them to sing over. You think, sing, Baba. My heart for you is fruitfulness. This is what I want to make you. Okay. So, before we move on, can I ask us, uh, firstly, can we just stand and uh, maybe lay hold of someone and just declare this over you. This is who you are. This is how God sees you. All right? You're a man. You're a woman. Who is going to bear fruit this year? 2024. Amen. Okay, but you've got to speak it. You've got to believe something. Can you say amen? amen. All right? So when you're, just pray with one another and say, come on, let's just pray. Share some things about what you're hoping for. Pray it because it's going to happen. Amen. Come on, let's do it. Don't, don't be someone who's standing alone. Amen. If you've finished praying, you can sit down. Amen. So that's the first part. He says, sing, O barren woman. Okay, so can you, someone from this side, shout, look at someone there and shout out, sing. And someone from this side, look out there and say, sing, man, sing, come on. Yeah, God's people. All right, great. I know it feels unnatural, but. 
doesn't matter. Okay, the second uh, thing he says here is, enlarge the place of your tent. You know, so, again, we look at the background. They are in captivity, and God's saying enlarge. Isaiah is saying enlarge. I mean, what are you thinking? You know, Isaiah, what are you thinking? Enlarge the place of your tent. You know, and I do believe God wants us as church. We can be in captivity. We can be in a place where nothing seems to be happening. But this is one thing that should be in our hearts and minds. Enlarge. Start dreaming. Start thinking. Start praying. Get something into your spirit in these times. Okay, because God was bringing them out of captivity. But they were already to still think. One thing. Enlarge. Because that's God's heart for us. Okay, we've got to get it into our hearts. God's only one plan, purpose, goal for us is we will be fruitful. And so one thing very central in our lives and in our hearts must be this term, enlarge. Every church should be thinking one thing, enlarge. What is the impact, God, you want from us? We're not coming to church just to say, okay, I need some friends. I need to survive. I need some friends who will always comfort me. No, you're coming to church because God's going to use you. And God's going to transform a church to change a city. And a town and a village and a nation. Do you believe that? So one thing he wants us to have in our spirits is this term, enlarge. Even if nothing's happening, enlarge. Praise God, it's not because of us. All right? Some of us, we know exactly who we are. In the quiet times at home, we know what we can't do. We know what we do. And we know God shouldn't be using us also. But that's a wonderful thing. God says, I'm using you anyway. Amen. All right, and he wants us to think enlarge, enlarge. All right, so one thing, keep this in your thing. We've got to enlarge. Now, this is a command and a promise in the New Testament because Jesus said, go in Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all nations and I will be with you till the end. Yes or no? So his whole thing is saying, go. He's not saying stay and get sorted out. You know, you've got this problem, you're, you're all the time bound to your TV, so you've got a bit of a problem, stay and sort that out. No. He's not saying stay and, and, uh, and uh, you know, you've got a problem with your wife. You're, you know, I can see how the way you're arguing at home every day. You know, you're, I don't think I can use you. You've got to sort that out. Is he saying stay? No, he's saying go. You know, when we go, things get sorted out. And that's one of the principles I use now. I never used to use. I was earlier a leader who said, stay, sort your thing out. Now I say, go. So even if we've got problems, like pick people, I'm saying, go. I know they'll get sorted out. And I tell them on the way, by the way, this is what I'm looking for you to change it. But go. Amen. Amen. So Jesus' command to his church, this is our DNA. Fruitfulness means we've got to be going. And all nations. Not just here, there's one little place here. It's too small a vision. All nations. And so what's that? Enlarge. Enlarge. And so we, we see the, even in the New Testament, he says, make disciples of all nations. Enlarge. That's a command. The command for fruitfulness is go. Enlarge. The promise is, I will be with you. Okay, because when you go enlarge, there's no resources. There is bottlenecks when no money is there. How do I enlarge? How do I plant a church, Lord? We don't have, we need to take a guy out full time. We have to pay a salary. There's no money. I will be with you. All right, Jesus said in the desert, I am the bread of life. He alone is the one who gives life, who gives us, as we step out, he gives life. Amen. I remember when we first went into UP, I didn't know. We had a prophetic word said go, you know. And I didn't know. We, I said, okay, I'm, I'm adventurous. My wife and I are known to be adventurous. We're very happy. Let's go. But what to do there, I don't know. No one told me what to do. But we had this word that said go. So we went, we went the first time out there. And we went into UP, into a village. And I thought to myself, I don't know how to even gather a crowd there. What do we do? <laughs> you know, so how do we do it? And so we went there. And I thought to myself, we've got to show the church we've got on mission. So maybe we'll take a few pictures of the cows and the goats and stuff like that and come back. At least we've gone there. But out of that not knowing, today there are 13 churches in UP. Okay. So what I, what I want to show us is we just need to walk with this. 
DNA. Go. God shows. God provides. And we still struggle, by the way. Okay? But that's faith, isn't it? Yes? Fruitfulness is there. So, Jesus said, enlarge. Not like all. Pune, think. Enlarge. That is it. Enlarge. Okay? And then we've got this promise which Jesus says, Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot withstand my church. Amen. Now that's who you are. We've got to say, go is what? Jesus said, I'm with you. No, I'm with you in such a way. When you go, I'll break open the gates of hell. I will give you new ground. You will possess it. Amen. So can we catch something in our spirit this morning? Right? If we want fruitfulness, it's always on the go. Okay, it's not by getting sorted out. You will get sorted out as you go. All nations, think bigger than yourselves, you know, right? And hell's gates will be broken through. So advance, advance. Okay, and, and Jesus gave us the example. You know, he didn't just give us a command. He showed it to us. When he came on earth, he showed us, you know, his life was characterized by enlarge. Wherever he went, it was always enlarge. Okay, he didn't stick to one place. He didn't stick to a place where it was happening. Now, if we are as a church and I go and we go and preach a gospel and a lot of people gather, I'll think, come on, let's just stay there. Let's gather. The church is exciting. Let's send some more people in there. And Jesus doesn't do that. He says, I've got, I've got other towns to go to. You know, he's not thinking. He leaves it. He's sowing something. And he says, that's not my job. Others will do it. I got to get moving. And so he gives us an example of what church will be like, what enlarge will be like. You know, we've got to be on the go. So wherever he went, he healed the sick, he set the oppressed free, he forgives sinners. I mean, just forgiving sinners. It's like so many feel, you know, so many are trapped in guilt. Even when you become Christians, so many are trapped in guilt when we don't need to be, you know. But he forgave them. He released people from religion. He raised the dead. He affected one person at a time. Sometimes. And sometimes we can affect one person and one family at a time. Okay? And sometimes one person brings a whole village like that woman from Samaria. Whole village comes through. We don't know. That's advanced. Go. Enlarge. All right? And so we can enlarge in such a way. So Jesus' example to the church of enlarge is keep going. Keep going. You know, some of you are in offices and villages. Have you ever thought God can start a work with me right here in this office? In my lunch break, you know, we have to think like that. We have to think differently. The Holy Spirit is with you. The early church, it wasn't just uh, Jesus. The early church also, we see, they, we see they demonstrated enlarge. In Acts 2.41, those who, uh, it says that day 3,000 people got saved. You all know that scripture? All right. And then in Acts 2.47, it says, People met together daily in homes and the Lord added daily those who were being saved. So you're seeing the early church, it wasn't about being static, but they were, their homes also were, became centers of mission and every day people got saved. Every day there was enlargement. And um, then we, in Acts chapter 4, it says, Those who heard the word of the Lord believed and the number of men came to be about 5,000. That Jerusalem church, 3,000 were saved. Now, the men only are 5,000. That means you're talking about if they were all married, 10,000 plus kids, we're not counting either. That church was huge. All right? And Acts chapter 12, the word of God grew and multiplied. So you're seeing the whole book of Acts is got this word enlarge. The early church caught something. It was about enlarge. Okay, and Isaiah is telling these captive people of God, enlarge. Okay, you will spread out. The verse says you will spread out to the left and to the right. That means the boundaries of the church will be extended much further than, than before. Whatever you've seen, it should be extending before. Amen. Okay, I just like you to say, look at 2024 afresh and say, Lord, how can we enlarge? Personally, or as a family, or as a church, and particularly with the breakthrough of the gospel. How can we enlarge? 
How can we get caught up into this new DNA and not get locked into what the devil keeps us trapped in guilt? Jesus has dealt with that. Get into making a difference. He wants us to transform Pune and beyond. Amen. All right. So we, for us as a church, uh, I've shared with the church, we want to see 60 new people saved this year and coming into church in 2024. And five new house groups begin. But I said to the church, it means, that means uh, new house groups, means who are the leaders? They have to be here, no? Who of you is willing to be a leader? Yes or no? Don't look at me as though you don't know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, it's going to be amongst you. That's enlarge. So you all have to think and, and plan. What do you all want to enlarge in? But we must enlarge. We must get into our spirits. This is the heart of God. This is who we are as God's people. Yes or no? Yeah? Can we sing a song? Yeah? Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city, in Pune. But don't only limit it to Pune. Think in your mind, nations. Amen. Because if we say our vision is only for the city, then no one will think beyond the city. You know, everyone will say, okay, me and Pune, me and Pune for the rest of my life. When I got saved, I thought this, my pastor will be my pastor. And I'm happy enjoying the church. But Jesus' plan is very different. He says, no, I've got a lot of you I'm going to send out. <laughs> okay. And you are an amazing people of God. And God's going to use some of you. God's going to use all of you. But some will be used as leaders. Everyone's not a leader, praise God. You know, you don't want to be a leader. So, you know, but some of you, can do amazing things. You know, who's that? Um, Joshua, where's Joshua? Yeah, Joshua's mom and dad, uh, uh, so not mom and dad, uncle and auntie, are part of my ch our church here in, in this thing. They've been here with us for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, I don't know. You know, long time. And sometimes you need faithful men and women who are part of the church. They not, may not be leaders, but they are the core of the church. And I tell you, we need... You need a core of people in Pune because every year the numbers are changing in Pune. People are coming in to study and going out. But you need a core of people here. Yeah? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Pray for that. I think that should be one of your key prayer, point, prayer points. That you've got a core of 30, 40 people who are just planted here. They say, I'm not going anywhere else even if a better job comes. I'm staying here because I'm about building a church. Amen. A glorious church. Yes or no? Can I stir your vision? Listen, church, can I stir your vision? My wife was in America, okay? She had a chance to live her whole life in America. And she said no to be a Praise God because I got to marry her. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, I had a chance to be in the Gulf. All right? My brother is in New York. My sister is in Japan. One is in Dubai. But we had to say no because God's called us. You see, there is... There is there is vision about who we are. And we can't do this by the law. The law always told you, you must do this. And I'm not here to tell you about the law and what you must do. I'm here to say, creation sings. God's people, for whatever you do for him, it comes out because you want to sing for him. We love him. You know his purpose. You know his vision. And it's a joy to do it. And God's got great things for you. All right, I've not finished my message yet. But we're going to stand up and sing greater things are yet to come.
peace to the restless. You are. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our precious people. Thank you. You have called each one. And it's not by chance or by accident. It's not as a spare part, but as someone that is part of the body, who's got their own unique place in this body. And I want to pray for each one's vision to be lifted. Lord, to enlarge, to enlarge for effect, for fruitfulness, for impact. And they will see that directly from you. They will see the Father, God, saying, yes, it is you, and I've called you, and you're going to make a big change in this city. I want to pray that, Lord. I want to pray a deep impartation by your Spirit, Lord. I want to pray deliverance from old ways of slavery uh, to guilt and shame, because that's not part of it. Lord, you've said here, for your maker is your husband, Lord. Though you're punishing, you love and you're saying your maker is your husband. And I want to pray that sense that each one has of ownership from you, that you own each one here so seriously, so lovingly, so tenderly. I pray for such an impartation in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, please do sit down. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, so, though we've talked about impact, and I've shared with you, for, for our church, I said 60 new people and five new house groups. But vision cannot be only numbers. Though there is numerically in the book of Acts, we see 3,000 got saved, 5,000 men. It continued to increase. It has to be an increase of numbers always. 
right? But it should not be only numbers. There's a quality that's necessary in the word enlarge. And it speaks of values, okay? Which brings me to the next point, and which says in Isaiah, stretch your tent curtains wide. Okay, stretch your tent curtains wide. Okay, so when you look at the tent being stretched, every part of that tent is being stretched. And I don't know if you noticed, but when they were taken into captivity, they already had a stone building. The temple was a stone structure, right? It was not a tent anymore. The tent was only in the wilderness, all right? And now they're taken into captivity in Babylon. But their idea of the temple is that's Solomon's temple. But here, Isaiah's prophesying stretch your tent curtains wide. You know, and I do believe it's because tents are stretchable. The, Solomon's temple was fixed. And uh, Isaiah was therefore referring back to a place when this, this temple is a stretchable temple. It's not meant to be in one place. It's meant to be expanded. It's meant to be something that can grow. All right. And so Isaiah is saying, stretch your tent curtains wide. Now stretching means every part of this tent. It doesn't mean leaders. It means an entire church stretching. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. When we look at the vision God has for us and what he sees us as, he's looking at every one of God's people and saying, listen, I'm calling all of you to stretch. Every one of you. All right? And uh, I'm going to read this passage because I like to relate both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So where can we find the temple in the New Testament? It's in the book of Acts, isn't it? And so we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Okay, I briefly refer to, the, uh, we're going to use this also as a reference. And so here you find in the book of Acts, the temple of God, which is the church. Here's what they look like. Okay, Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Oh, I don't know anyone in our churches who've sold their property yet. All right, not to give their sons, but to give to the church. Wow. Okay, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so if you're looking, I don't want to look at what they just did. When we're looking at stretch, we're going to see all of them stretching, you know, but not what they did. But where did what they do come from? It came from their hearts. So before the actual stretching, there's something in the heart. And we find it in the word, they devoted themselves. Yes? And so, if we're going to enlarge, there's a quality we need. And it's the word devotion. All right? The stretching has to start there in our hearts. Okay? But because our hearts are very, well, very often caught up with things we love, things we want, things we don't want to shift from. And so our hearts can be my family, can be my job, you know. Our hearts can be there. But when we are looking at this word enlarge in the Old Testament, and we actually see it applied in the New Testament, you find a people like creation sings. Here you've got a people saying, hey, I readily give my heart to you, God. I readily, that you've got my heart, Jesus. It's not about just being forgiven for my sin and being born again and going to heaven. No, you've got my heart. Amen. And uh, so the stretching has to be with a zeal. It's talked about Jesus' zeal for his house consumed them. You know, the early church was full of zeal, full of passion. You know, 
And it was a committed passion because you see what they committed themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship. And so there was a commitment. It wasn't just emotional passion sometimes between a boyfriend and a girlfriend saying, I love you, and oh, and husband and wife, I love you. And then you have a few bad days, and then you're saying, I don't want to meet with you also now. <laughs> All right. But it's a passion that is committed. And, uh, and so the early church had devoted people. And if we are going to have enlarge, if churches are going to have effect on the city, we need people, it says they were together. You know, we need lots of people in all different churches. They are together. They're not here just for the moment for themselves. They are here to be together. You see, Jesus called disciples to be with him first. And then he sent them out. He didn't just send them out. They were with him for three years. There was a togetherness. And church building is like that. There is a together. So as a leader, I'm looking at who's being together with me. I'm not looking for talent. I'm looking for heart first. I'm looking for men and women who are there to be with me. You know, when they're with me, I know they're for Jesus. Now I hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. All right. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Okay. We get to, we, you know, you get these super spiritual uh, Christians saying, you know, I love Jesus. I don't know about the church here. I love Jesus. And so I'm part of the universal church. I keep floating around. But actually, if we love Jesus, we will be like the disciples of Jesus who are stuck with him. You, you will be like a Timothy and a Titus who are stuck with Paul. And uh, that has to be worked out. Now, it doesn't mean others will not move around. We will move around. There's nothing wrong. But when we build a church, you see, there is a devotion. There is a heart. And uh, I look for that first. So some of the talented people in my church are not functioning because I'm not letting them. Uh, but I've got people with a heart. All right? And Jesus first called people to be with him. And that's so important. Okay? And um, so, the early church was full of devoted people. That's church membership. By the way, so when people come into church membership, it is their devoted people. All right? You okay with me so far? Yeah? Okay, so they devoted themselves to these four things. We'll talk a little later uh, in the next session. But everyone stretches. And you find in the early church, all their homes, they met together in the homes. All right? So which means uh, when they met in the homes, you see everyone's home was open. It wasn't a few. Everyone. And so it speaks of a heart of devotion. And they're, they're, it's showing by saying, hey, my home is available for Jesus. And, uh, and um, you know, everyone's heart was right in there. Okay, everyone was serving. And Acts 4 tells us they waited on tables. You know, they waited on tables. And you feel people are fully there serving and ready. So I want to talk of this word, just devotion. And one of the things, being a normal Christian, right, it's not about just being part of a good church. It's not about just having good worship. It's not about what the church offers you. You know, I want to invite you to see what God really sees of you as a normal Christian. And it's contained in this word, devoted. And I like the example of Jonathan and uh, his armor bearer. If you remember that story, when there were enemies there, you know, Philistines, but... Everyone was discouraged. Even King Saul was discouraged and sitting under the pomegranate tree. He discouraged 600 of them, including a priest who was supposed to be hearing God. Others were in the mountains on caves, hiding in the caves because there was no weapons in Israel, just two swords, one with King Saul, the other was with Jonathan. And the Philistines were all over them. And at that time, no one could move out. No one could move out except if the priest said, God says, go. But you have this strange situation. Everyone's sitting like that. But Jonathan is saying, perhaps God's with me. You know? And he is somehow, he is somehow got this. You know what we talked about earlier? There is fruitfulness about us. He's got that hanging over him. That's what he sees. Perhaps God's with me. 
And this is what the other guy says, the armor bearer, who has no sword. They're going to go up against 20 of the other guys with swords. And they got one sword. And the armor bearer says, at the risk of his life, says, Jonathan, do what's in your heart. I'm heart and soul with you. Now we understand the word devoted. He's just saying, God, you've got my heart and soul. I'm for you, Lord. I'm for you. Amen. Amen. So that's church membership. All right. Your heart and soul. And you see that they met in homes daily. Daily people had their homes open. That's heart and soul. They met. Theirs was a lifestyle. You know, it was God, God's kingdom, the church. Their heart was there. And here's where you find an effective church, a vision-taking church. It didn't just happen. So I want to ask you this morning, how many of you want to see a big vision happen here in Pune? How many of you really want to see it? Okay. Then can you hear God speaking to you personally and say, I'm going to use you. That's who you are. All right. But can I get your heart inside now? doesn't matter what's been before, but can I get you now? All right. Okay. So... Get into who you really are. What God believes for you and for this church. All right? We are going to see things you've not seen before. You're going to see that. All right? And I'd really like us to pick up things about their devotion. Something that propelled them into this vision. You know, they got a glimpse. We get a glimpse of the people God was shaping. From the book of Acts onwards. Very different from Israel in the Old Testament. You know. God is showing. He wants a people. He doesn't want churchgoers. He wants a people. He wants a people. He's raising a phenomenal people. A phenomenal people. A radical people. He's pulling out of culture. Amen. And catching us up into city mission into global mission, into worldwide mission. He's, he's wanting a people who says, who says, yes, Lord, I believe fruitfulness. I believe we will be world changers. You know, the apostles, it's one of the things, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles showing them? They were showing, the apostles were now right at the forefront, showing who the real people of God are. Very different from Israel. And they were showing when Jesus hung on that cross and cried out, it is finished. They were showing that it's not about Israel. You are the new Israel. That was the apostles were showing that. You are the new Israel. All right. He showed, they showed the Old Testament approach to God is finished. That means you're being ashamed, always coming. That's finished. You're a new Israel now. And so the apostles were given the task to unlock the church. Showing who you really are. You're no longer slaves. These guys were slaves in Egypt and slaves in, in Babylon. But we are no longer slaves now in the New Testament. We are heirs of God. Co-heirs with Christ. We are called to inherit promises of fruitfulness. Amen. That's why Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now we take that personally. We always take it personally, just for me. Okay, I'm a new creation. No, God is making a whole new people. A whole new church. We are brand new. Amen. Very different. You're going to possess. So the apostles' teaching captivated the people of God into this glorious vision. Amen. And we find Jesus, when he came also, disciples just left their jobs like that. You know. The apostles would write, if you're going to a new place, don't just say, oh, should I go here or go there? Rather ask, if it is the will of God, I will do this and I will do that. They were presenting a whole new newness to who the people of God are. Their priorities are radically different. You see, the church, very often the world looks at the church as a bunch of, uh, you know, very, uh, what's the word? Like soft people, timid, soft people. That's how the world looks at the church. I met an atheist. Inside, uh, in uh, Landor one, one, uh, one year, we were on holiday. 
And he was a businessman. He talked to me. He said, but isn't religion and God just your crutch? And I said, isn't your business your crutch? You know. And by the time I finished the conversation with him, he was saying, I'm so glad I met with you. You know, this is who we, we all are. We are not a timid people. Right? Paul writes uh, that we're not a, given a spirit of timidity. God's people are here to take over the world. That's who we are. Amen. We're a tough, robust people. And the more we realize that, the more we're going to do. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. And women, by the way. Amen. Heart and soul. Heart and soul. Can we be a people of God? Devoted. All right? Enlarge means we are devoted. Let's close. Yeah.